Welcome to the Independent Artist Podcast, sponsored by the National Association of Independent Artists. Also sponsored by Zapplication. I'm Will Armstrong, and I'm a mixed media artist. I'm Douglas Sigworth, glassblower. Join our conversations with professional working artists. Well, Douglas, we're back from another busy weekend out on the road, and I'm actually still on the road. I'm hanging out here in a hotel room in Austin, Texas. I see um, that. The rest of the... Do you see it now? Can you see, see it a little that. bit better? Look, oh, right. look at that no, hat you got going, yeah. my friend. <laughs> all, That's awesome. All hat, no cattle. Uh, <laughs> man, I, I, I needed a little uh, little sunshade this past... Uh, well, for one of the days, I need a little sunshade anyway. Okay. At the last show you're saying? Yeah, I was down in uh, Fiesta this past weekend. Okay. And, um, it's a two-day show, Friday and Saturday. Ran into some uh, some of our good friends from the radio show and awesome. or the podcast here, and so, talked to a couple of folks. But yeah, man, how how are you doing? How was your weekend? You were up in Fort Worth. I was in Fort Worth. Uh, we just walked in the door a couple days ago, and we're leaving again tomorrow. But I tell you that that feeling of walking in the door after being gone for fourteen days it just it sure feels good, even if it's fleeting. You know, even just a few minutes. 14. Yeah, well, 13. I thought you flew home. We did fly home. (laughs) Then we were on the road (laughs) again. I remember. I know it's been it's been a long time on the road and and it's going to be another another run here. We've got two shows back to back again. I don't recommend this for everyone, but um, we're making up for lost time. So don't hate us for for loading it all up. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be hating on you. Um, (laughs) I think they understand. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I've made a couple of, yeah, I don't know, questionable business decisions along the way. And and we'll we'll get through it, you know. That's right. All evens out in the end. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it's been good to be home for a few days, even though it's been nonstop, nonstop running, just going, going, going. You know, I had some good conversations at the last show that people really enjoyed our conversation that we had, just the two of us, um, for the whole episode last time. So I kind of liked hearing that because it was a little bit of a, we've done it before, but not that many. So it's kind of good to hear that it, you know, they don't get sick of hearing us talk the whole time. <laughs> well, when we change it up a little bit, it's good to get the input. And you can always post input on the Facebook page or, or send us a private message or come talk to us at a show. I did talk to uh, to Reiko, which oh, was cool. Nice. Uh, she says hello, sends her best. She was down in Fiesta in San Antonio as well. Mm-hmm. Man, I, you know, nothing. It's funny because this is what I was talking to her about. And, and I was talking, my wife was showing at that show as well. And cool. we were down there and, and uh, had some time to kill. And and we're talking. <laughs> I and, think uh, we can read between sign. the lines on that one, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. That's all right. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of rain, you know, a lot of rain on. It was just a two-day show. It, it's a sweet show. And if it works for you, then um, it, there's nothing uh, easier and, and more friendly. Some of these shows that we do, they make us feel good about what we do for a living. And this is one of them. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't think more highly of Barbara Hill and the show that she puts on down there for Fiesta. I agree. uh, uh, It did not work for me. I should have stayed, you know, if I'm looking at it hindsight, I I should have stayed home and just just plowed through some work. But I was trying to make up for the uh, the Fort Worth sized hole (laughs) in my schedule. I hear you, man. Uh, Yeah. Right. So, you know, I mean, sometimes those things that if you can get uh, I was thinking about this a lot while I was down there. It's like if you don't get those tried and true things where you you've got a following and and it means a lot to you. It's like I've been doing Fort Worth. I'm you know, I shouldn't even say this on the show, but I've been doing Fort Worth now for over 10 years. Wow. Yeah. In a row. Yeah. You know, how freaking lucky is that? That is really, yeah. This, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this this year, uh, not just getting a getting a double rejection mm-hmm. on it with both bodies of work that I I kicked them. Uh, you know, it's like you you establish these relationships and you you establish these these families that come and see you. And and I had folks that were like, "Hey, we going to dinner?" And you know, this is customers are like, "We going to dinner again?" They want to take you to the to his club. I went to this club with him one time, uh, um, like a like a dinner dinner dining club, not a not a <laughs> club. Guy, but, you know, right? like a, it went out with him and his wife. I mean, it's just it it's it's like you you get if you don't, you know, you've been going to a show for so many different years that you almost end up with this weird. It's not FOMO as much as it is grief. You know? Absolutely. Like, well, there was another kind of a, another flip to that is. You know, some people who've been trying to do shows of that, of that, let's say a show that really works for a lot of people and we, we aspire to it being the thing yeah. we get into. And then they get in there like, I've got my golden ticket. And then it doesn't like work out for them. And they're like, geez, right. oh my God, what's going on here? And so, I mean, there's that other side. It's just yeah. Carrot for so long. And it's like, well, I mean, the first year I did it, I didn't, um, well, no, I crushed it then too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it I've was your town. It was your myself. town. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is, you know, and I, I had so many different messages from so many different clients over the weekend. We're like, where are you? And I'm like, dude, uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. It's like, I don't want to say it didn't work out with my schedule, you know, my classic line. I'm like, I just, I got the big fat no. And it was heartbreaking to no. me, but you know, weep for me, Argentina. I'm, I've been in for 10 years. Right. So yeah. Right. So time to stretch their legs and, and they wanted to see other people, Douglas. It did. Uh, that's what I, I got. <laughs> they, they wanted they wanted to see other people. But, I think it's I mean, not, it's not saying, well, you. It's not you. It's them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I unfortunately think it's me. <laughs> take the, take a deep, dark look in the, in the mirror there. I'll, I'll see what I can do with my application to make myself irresistible. I'm going to look so pretty next year. Douglas. <laughs> I'm going to try to. Uh, Put my prettiest self forward and and uh, dress up pretty for my app next year and see what it what it takes. See but what happens. Yeah. Somebody was asking me, like, why aren't you? I mean, the worst part is like my my like. You ever see that that scene in the Terminator uh, mm-hmm. where it's you know years ago and it's like going through the different responses somebody comes up to oh. him and it's like you can see from Terminator's view and it's like the different responses and people come up to me and it's like. Uh, how come you're not in Fort Worth this year? And it's like, it just flashes red. Like, <laughs> Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> just can't still raw, still else. hurts. <laughs> oh, God, it does, man. I mean, it, yeah. it, 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 it's funny that you do do these shows. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, one of your, one of your personal favorites. Uh, and, and you don't, you don't get to go. It's just like, you got this, this, this grief. Like I said, keep saying. Yeah. Anyway, uh, how did how did you guys deal? How was how was the weather this year? Uh, so the weather wasn't too bad until Sunday. Uh, Sunday was, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. None of it was super stormy, uh, which is sometimes the the big uh, challenge with doing that show. It was just cold, and it was you know light oh. rain, and it kept it kept the the numbers away on Sunday. But I I okay. hope they came the other days. I mean. I know that was all across the board. What I heard from people, their reactions to the show. You know, it's it's uh, it's what it is. It's it's a show. It's a great show. Yeah, and uh, you know, all shows are shows. You know, sometimes it works really well for you, and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, it's a, it, it's my personal favorite. So if they call me next year and they're like, "Well, we want you to, uh, you're you're invited, but you got to wear this narwhal onesie and uh, <laughs> do this," I'm like. <laughs> 
with the taps. I like the taps. You always you come back to oh, that yeah. one. Get the taps, taps on the shoes. <laughs> taps on my toes and get going. Yeah. Get rhythm. All right. I guess the big thing I wanted, the takeaway that I wanted to, to point out about this weekend was it was the first round of the Radkeys farewell tour. And it was just oh so sweet. I mean, those guys have been around forever. And, you know, yeah. everyone calls them road mom and road pa and... And they're doing two shows <laughs> this year, and then they're they're hanging up their hats. So there was a lot That's of amazing. lot of goodbye weeping and and selfies and just just really, I just want to send out a you know a big congratulations to those guys because they do such amazing work, and I I'm just so happy to have them in my friendship family artist group. Incredible people! I ran into yeah. them for the first met them at Coconut Grove for the first time, and and I was kind of new-ish and was taking a, an elevator and I bought myself a bottle of rum uh, that I was going to try to share with some folks, see if I could run into some friends. And I recognized them from the road. So I was the proverbial uh, chum with a bottle of rum and wound up <laughs> drinking all night. So uh, that was a great memory. And we've had so many. Uh, I've told the story about, have I told the story about doing t-shirt for Des Moines, mm -hmm. doing the poster and the t-shirt? Um, related to the Radkeys? Yeah. Oh no, I don't know this. No. Okay. So I I did the uh, the poster and the T-shirt, the the promo stuff for Des Moines Arts <laughs> Festival. One of my my very favorites. Another one of my very favorites there. And uh, I had done the, done the promo stuff for them, and they're coming around with the T-shirts. And she was standing there, and we've called her like you just mentioned. We call her Road Mom. Right. And um and I introduced her as as my Road Mom, and they misunderstood me, and they're like, "Where's the T-shirt for Mom?" Oh, there you and go. And they're like, your mom is here? Absolutely. And they ran off to get her a t-shirt. It was like the only, I feel like it was like the only one I'd seen with that design on. It was like my image and it like like this really cool, like pinkish uh, mauve color, long sleeve t-shirt yeah. size that she wanted. Okay. So uh, they ran off to get her one. They're like, would you want one for, my, for your dad too? And I was like, my dad. I was like, that's not my dad. That's my, that's my stepdad. <laughs> like I called Steve my, my, my road stepdad and my road mom. So anyway, it was just a big joke. And we told him what was going on. They're like, oh no, you can still have it. That's, sure. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, but... I still call him my good for nothing stepdad. Okay. He's a wonderful dude. I love those guys. I I do too. Uh, cheers. And, and what I I guess I'll see you on the road. I don't know. What else are they doing? So their last show of the year is coming up in June. It's Lakefront, Lakefront Festival of the Arts. Okay. And it's they're coming home. They're coming home to Wisconsin where they where they both are from. And it's going to be their goodbye show. So if anyone out wow. there is at Lakefront, be sure you stop by their booth. Give them big hugs and let them know how much they mean to you. Absolutely. Man, what a career. Yeah. I had an interesting conversation on the road with Reiko and my wife. We were standing around talking about okay. uh, this particular topic because that this past weekend, like like has been discussed, I've been uh, used to doing the Main Street Fort Worth Arts Festival. And mm -hmm. that is a show where they give you all day Wednesday and even Tuesday night, I think, for some to set up. So you get Tuesday night and Wednesday to set up. You get Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four-day show. That to me is ideal. And right. I was like, man, I feel like we've got a rainy day coming up on Sunday. I was like, that can cut the show in half and it, it doesn't give us the opportunity to sell. And mm -hmm. I've talked on the show before about this, but they were like, Reiko was saying her favorite show is a show where you set up on Friday morning 
okay. and it has a Friday night kickoff, like a plaza. Okay. Know, like a, or uh, South Lake coming up, which I have never done, our fair on the square. I'm, right. I'm, I'm getting ready to do that this coming weekend. Yeah. They do that with the Friday night, Friday morning setup. Then they give you all day to set up. Friday night kickoff, f- uh, five o'clock. That's her favorite. And okay. meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to do it. I, I want to, like, I'm, I'm such a baby about this. Anymore. Like you want to spread it out, you're saying? You want all, enough do. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to do fewer shows and I want these shows to be longer. It's just like a different, you know, talking about business model again, but that that is my particular favorite. Like, yeah. I love having those three i like like minimum i want three days anymore like yeah. i don't know what it is but they were like yeah you're nuts mm. um thinking like i don't why why would you want all this day these days away from home and and all the stuff on the road and i'm like man if i set up i don't i don't i want more than two days you know yeah i mean if you have the one shitty day because of weather, you want to have those other options for people to come and make you kind of bulletproof in the sense that there's right. enough of a window of time for them to still still take in the show and buy. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it does make me crazy when there are like, you get the four-day show and then you get to the end of the Thursday or something. And I, I'm like, there's some people out there who are like, they've kind of already made expenses and they're going into the weekend. Right. They're going to that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're like, holy, you know, this is the rest is profit, and it feels uh-huh. amazing. I love that feeling where you're like, oh, my God, I've got two or three days left, and I've already made profit. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of folks, a lot of some of the um, – and it's not just – you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly not just saying old-timers. But, okay. like, there's a lot of folks out there who are like, no way. I don't want to stand around in the street for an extra day and get all tired by the time the real show starts. I'm, I'm exhausted. Okay. I that, too. It's I do. It's me. We're – yeah. yeah. Where do you stand on that? What do you like? Well, I guess um, I'll, I, I, I want to make money. So if it if I can make it in, in two days, if it's a show right. that the extra day means standing around not making anything, then yeah, get rid of it. But if it's a, a decent show that has four days and you're making money all those days, I'm all for it. But the thing right. I wanted to say, what I've kind of gotten spoiled with this year was both Bayou City and the Woodlands gave us that extra day to set up. So I literally took two days to set up our show. And then I go into Fort Worth and I've got a smaller booth and I'm on an offshoot street on 5th Street where the driving lane for people to unload is very narrow. And we had to be the last flight in. So I then had like, you know, this this kind of panicked feeling like, I don't know if we're going to get this set up in time. And part of it was just the logistics, not just my slow, gimpy ass over here. It was like when you've got, you know, vehicles right outside of your inline booth and your stuff is unloaded onto the curb, but you can't get out of your booth to get your stuff to start putting your booth together. I mean, I don't blame the artist who's got their vehicle there because that's just the logistics of that row. And, you know, they have to unload, too. So it just made it a little bit challenging. We made it work. It was fine. But that was something that was a little bit of a challenge for me this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's a lot. Those streets do get narrow. And uh, at least you get a little little room at the end of the block so you can do some finagling. But you, you guys had to do it in one day. So yeah, it was interesting to get together with some some folks and and uh, to, you know talk to them. Uh, had a had a had a good time. And like I said, it's a sweet show. And and again, and I'm certainly not bad mouthing the show because I had a bad weekend. I just mm. it's just not really 
the big originals market for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife did great. She met a new collector. Uh, Sweet. You know, had a nice weekend. So yeah. there was there was up and down all, all over the place. I got to see Greg Davis and uh, always enjoy seeing his photography and got to see Oscar. and Yeah, it was good times. Cool. Well, we have a really great talk this week with Julia Gilmore. And I've mm. been seeing her on the road at every show this year so far. We've just been kind of like on the same path. So I'm glad we had the opportunity to kind of sit down and and get to know her. She is a firecracker, man. I just I just <laughs> love her energy. <laughs> Absolutely. If you give her a hug and she gives you a smack of a kiss on that cheek, you're gonna have red lipstick on your, on your <laughs> cheek to take home to the wife. You're be wiping that one off. <laughs> <laughs> Renee's are like, where have you been? <laughs> Oh, it's by yeah, Julia's she's a booth. sweetheart. <laughs> exactly. Or Ma, you know, talk about road Ma. She'll plant a big old uh, lipstick kiss on your cheek, too. Yes, yes. We all we all love the road mom's kiss. But um, <laughs> let's just do this. Let's, let's uh, listen to what Julia had to say and hear her story. She's great. Uh, she's got a great voice and an incredible presence out there at the, in the art show world. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. All right. Here's Julia Gilmore from... A lot of places out there, but now she's in New Hampshire again. (laughs) This episode of the Independent Artist Podcast is brought to you by Zap, the digital application service where artists and art festivals connect. You know, Will, I started applying last week for next season's art shows, and I just really love that with Zapplication, we can categorize our shows by favorites, and then I can go in and sort those favorites by application deadline, so I never miss an application to one of my favorite shows. It's true. It has lots of different options, lots of different add-ons and tags that we can use. And there never seems to be enough time. I just got home from a show. I need to get back into the studio. There's pieces to be made, but applications are coming due. I'm so busy with all of the other hats that I wear to go on to other websites to apply to shows. To be honest, I don't even do it. I only go to Zap. Yeah. And basically, if I don't have to think about it, then I'm a happy man. Hey, we have a call to entry this week for uh, the Peoria Art Guild Fine Art Fair in Peoria, Illinois. Nice. Uh, Another good Illinois show there for your schedules. You ever done that show, Douglas? I have. Nice size show. It's one of those that they keep the the numbers at a a reasonable amount. Oh, wow. Yeah, you can keep the slice of the pie just perfect for what we, you know, what we want to make. Very cool. The Peoria Art Guild is actually one of the oldest arts organizations in the country. It was founded in 1878. They're 145 years old. Their mission is to bring art to the community and the community to art. They do a good job with that. Yeah, they sure do. And I mean, it's a, it's an event that helps fund their art guild all year round. And the, the collectors there, they, they line up. They patronize that show and they are loyal to that show. It's the 61st annual Peoria Art Guild Fine Art Fair. That runs in the middle of September. That's 23 and 24. They take such good care of the artist. I mean, I think they feed you just about every meal <laughs> throughout the course wow. of the weekend. You know, there's yeah. special banquets and they bring you snacks and they lunches. It's, you don't have to worry about a lot of out-of-pocket expense with this show, okay. you know, because they're taking good care of you. Over 200 volunteers to take care of any artist's needs. So just about anything. Uh, Douglas, you can get a foot rub. Uh, you can get a rip. <laughs> Whatever you need. They, they got them for you. They do a good job at that. So if you want a chance to exhibit at the Peoria Art Guild Fight Art Fair, you're going to have to apply. And that application deadline is coming up here. It's on June 4th. So make sure you oh. get that in. You're looking for another Midwest show for your schedule in September. To take a look at Peoria. They take good care of you. 
All right, Julia, so good to see you. I just We just saw each other down in Houston. It's a nice treat. Practically <laughs> neighbors at the bayou, a, a double treat, that is. You were between me and the bathroom, so we saw each other every time I passed you by. <laughs> that's right. That, that, slow, that slow march to the, yes. the porta potty right? Well, I brought this up uh, before we started recording this, but I'm looking out your back window, and I think I hate you right now. Oh, don't, don't, don't hate me. In, I know I love you. <laughs> instead, instead of hating me, come and visit. You know, oh just, my the, god! I have an open door policy. I would love you and Renee to come and visit anytime. You'll love it. That back view is insane. Tell me about it. Uh, What's I'm, going on here? I am in New Hampshire and right in the middle of the White Mountains, on the northern side of the Presidential Peaks. So outside my studio, outside my entire house, is a view of the mountains, which drives me crazy because. As beautiful as it is, it, yeah. the two things I love to do in life are paint and mountaineer. And so oh. on beautiful sunny days, I'm out of the studio, right? It's like oh, I'm right. <laughs> you're like you're like, I, I love painting, but right now I like mountains more. Sorry. So, so Douglas, all of all of my all of my collectors that are waiting for custom pieces are are praying for rain in the white oh, mountains, right. right? So I don't go hiking. <laughs> Gorgeous. So you're you grew up in New Hampshire, right? And I did. And you're back now. You're made kind of full circle. I did come full circle. I grew up until I was about nine, and my dad hauled us all uh, to 400 miles north of Montreal. Um, he was in the pulp and paper business, and then mm. and the baby, the family, and everyone filtered back to the U.S. Uh, I have dual citizenship, and about five years ago, I you know, had a need to come back to my country of origin and being self-employed, could live and build a house anywhere, right. had a million and one options. And then finally said, oh my, what am I thinking? I love the mountains. This is home. So about five years ago, I purchased about four acres of land and built a very open concept, echoey <laughs> you might notice. Thank you for that, by the way. Yeah. I'll be working on your uh, audio engineering. <laughs> I'll get that right out in the open. I'm not living in a church, Douglas. <laughs> well, it's gorgeous. It's Thank so you. beautiful. Thank you. It is, awesome. a, it is a pretty sweet spot, and it's quite remote and close enough to, you know, to get on the highway and on the roads to head off to art shows. So it's a, it's a good it's a good spot. So not too remote, not like, no, yeah. No, not too bad. I'm not on like 50 acres in the middle of, you know, the boreal forest or anything. <laughs> yeah, well, our internet signal seems pretty strong, so you're not too too much on the booties. <laughs> it's pretty miraculous. When I first moved here, there was no internet. And I'm like, oh, how really? can a guy run a business here? That's insane. Exactly. You know, people would find me parked at McDonald's and I had to put out a disclaimer. I don't touch the food. I'm there for the Wi-Fi. <laughs> for the Wi-Fi. You know, the girls say, after all, my images, you know, important, right? I don't eat that shit. <laughs> well, it's iconic. I mean, that's what your 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 work is. It's like that that kind of iconic imagery that we think of over the last several decades. Exactly. It's just just stuff that is hits a nerve in terms of memory and kind of a gut visceral nod to the past. Mm-hmm. Like I think of like the marketing idea. I mean, you've got images of Wonder Bread and like, you know, Spam and Wrigley's gum, things that like when we were kids. When we were kids. And it's just that it's just that uh, it never ceases to amaze me at a show. Someone will say, oh, my God, look at that painting. Remember when popsicles were two two pieces that we you broke break them. with, right? <laughs> like. It's incredible what these, these, as you say, iconic images hit 
people right at a gut punch, really. It, it, it's amazing. And everybody has a connection to, to these images because they were everywhere at one point. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much how I see the world. There's, there's cool, fabulous beauty everywhere, just even, you know, mostly in everyday stuff. I mean, look at where I live. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't do landscapes. I don't need to, you know, landscapes right. can do themselves, right? Uh, right. But to honor a can of cocktail wieners, now that is taking <laughs> that's a whole there you go. Another level. <laughs> what made you want to start into that? What was kind of the impetus behind it? Well, it was kind of an interesting story. I um, I went to art school in uh, Montreal because I was still in Canada at the time and studied okay. studied art. I have my bachelor's in uh, fine art, and at the time, everybody there was no such thing as representational work. If you weren't an mm-hmm. abstract artist, you you couldn't go to school. You couldn't. You were out. You were just like so passe, right? Okay. And yeah. um, so at the time, I was doing great big, huge abstracts. Um, and after graduating from university and college, I got just you know I, I'm a very social person. I one of these mm-hmm. um, human beings. With, Anyone who knows you will agree <laughs> on that point. <laughs> to a fault, maybe, well, right? Yeah, you got me. You know me well. <laughs> Julia, get back in your booth and stop talking to neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, Douglas, after graduating, uh, um, seemed like the only direction to go at that point, particularly in Canada, was mm-hmm. to, you know, mount an exhibition, work a year in your studio, do a gallery show, and mm-hmm. only really get to meet people at the opening and only have that that one-on-one with a, a potential collector that way. And it really sure. did not feed both sides of my personality. I mean, I, as much as I love the solitude and of creating in the studio, if I don't get out on the road and do art shows, I go insane because that, okay. that uh, you know, that dual, it feeds both parts of my personality. At the time, I didn't know that. So I, I kind of abandoned my career after not too long after, you know, graduating and started a band because that, that was more of an immediate kind of thing that was, you know, you had an audience, right? Right. I okay, didn't so know art- that you could do art shows. I didn't know anything about that whole circuit whatsoever. It didn't. Did so was that a purely American thing? I mean, is uh, that not something as common in in Canada? Pretty darn much. Yeah, there's maybe mm-hmm. one one well known outdoor art festival in Toronto, and that's pretty much it. It's not. It's nothing like this, you know, here in the U.S. Yeah. Okay. So art came first, but then this band thing kind of snuck in there, right? That kind of ignited that that audience, that that performer quality. Totally. Always a need to for expression, but this was a, a a way of expressing myself creatively that had some feedback and some immediacy to it, rather than being okay your work for six months to a year to mount an ex- solo exhibition. It's like, mm. boy, that's a lot of quiet time, down, <laughs> quiet studio time. And I, and that's that, a lot of emotional ups and downs right. with the whole process. Like, are they going to like it? Are they not going to like it? And you kind of just get out there with it and kind of what we do now. Exactly. And there was none of that kind of back and forth engagement with the, with the, with the audiences that we have now doing mm. art shows. Um, so I abandoned it and start uh, abandoned that and started this crazy kind of uh, it was a, an art school band kind of combo. It was a three piece band mm. with a guitar player um, who I knew from art school and we were working in a theater 
you know, mm-hmm. just uh, bartending to, to make ends meet while we we're going to school and met, met uh, a guy who was a tap dancer. So mm-hmm. we said, okay, you, if you, I said, if you, you're the drummer, because if you, if you can do that with your feet, you can do it with your hands. So yeah, he becomes a percussionist. <laughs> he was a percussionist. Right? And mm-hmm. I had, uh, I had studied uh, piano long way back when. So I was the keyboard player, kind of a little bit like the doors, not sound wise, but lineup wise, because we didn't have a bass player. I played all of the bass lines on this old Yamaha YC10 and the cheesy, eerie fills with the right hand that were kind of crossed between what well, we loved the B-52s at the time, but we, oh. we were a little bit more like the Cramps and maybe, you know, Nick Cave and the Lounge Lizards, which were really kind of cool underground New York. So kind of a punk, sort of, kind of a punk flavor. Yeah, uh, uh, definitely punk, new wave-ish, very, really uh, a lot of freeform stuff. Music kind of changed once, <laughs> once I figured out how to play the bass line cheesy feels and sing so that was a whole nother you know, it's kind of like patting your head and rubbing your stomach at the same time right that takes some practice it does wow so it, did you say you you built this band together or i, I, I did yeah i was a songwriter lyricist wrote the songs and i was kind of the head chief i would book the gigs and stuff and we were at the time we had no place to live we were squatting in an old uh, abandoned building in in chinatown in downtown montreal and we subsequently turned the place, um, we guilted the city uh, of Montreal, who owned it, into preserving heritage housing, because there, there were maybe 20 in a, a square block of these old two-story flats from like the turn of the century um, that were working-class homes near the port of Montreal. But beautiful, you know, they hadn't really been kept up, but beautiful slate roofs and st- still a lot of the architectural integrity to it. And okay. so we eventually got caught and then guilted the <laughs> guilted the city of Montreal into turning them. Uh, we formed a cooperative and turned them into low income housing, but kept the heritage element to it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so interesting. So, I mean, it kind of like you had that that one kind of um, intention, you know, to create yourself, be expressive. But then they're also kind of crept in there kind of a little bit of ag- advocacy in a way. There was, and a lot of that was mainly born from need. Sure, <laughs> You know, okay. that need, I mean, we were dirt poor. We were, we didn't want to pursue a career that was going to stop us from being, you know, mm. underground musicians kind of thing. So it was pretty, yeah. uh, it was pretty, it was, there were different times. It was, it was pretty cool. Well, I, I did Google you and your group. What oh, was the name of the group? Uh, uh, well, it had two incarnations. It was basically okay. the same. I don't remember now why we, we changed the name, but we, initially we were the name of the band was Condition. Condition, and, yeah. And, and we, um, we called the, our brand of music Urban Primitive Swing, which was pretty much it was very primitive. And, it, <laughs> you know, okay. it had a swing flair to it. And it was definitely, it certainly wasn't country music, right? So it, it reminded me, like right off the bat, I saw a performance of Mumbo Jumbo. Was that the, one of the songs, one of the tracks? And it had a real feel of like um, Susie and the Banshees when she was with the Creatures. It had I can a see that. total vibe of that. I can see that. Yeah, that that that's that's a, that's a great observation. It was really <laughs> pretty. It was a completely interesting time because it was a. a we were doing a lot of innovative stuff. It was a, quite a critical success. Totally not a financial success, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally not. Right? Is that why it didn't last forever, or well, what it was? Kind of 
of went from one, I went from that band and it was pretty much the same personnel. Um, we might have had a new member come in and then the band became the pallbearers and we put out a bunch of uh, videos and I've yet to post it on Vimeo and social media. I, my son recently, when we moved from Canada here, I, I found this like three million year old copy of the last video we put to a song that I wrote called Beat My Daddy to the Grave. And it's basically about, you know, you're, you're, you're living your life so hard. Yeah. You're going to be and it, your daddy to the grave kind of thing. And it, it was, I said, Oh, look at this video. It's like some, some format that hasn't existed in a hundred years. Right. All and right. so he was in film school and in, in Toronto at the time. And so as a mother's day present, he figured out he, you know, he was able to get a transfer onto, you know, a reasonable. Right. On a newer technology. Century. <laughs> right. Wow. How long, that must've been a cool experience was, to see that. I was terrified because I hadn't seen, you know, how, when you've had yeah. a career, it's kind of like looking at older work, like that you did when you mm. were in art school or something. It's like, sure. Oh my God, that's all. You don't even want to look at it. So, mm-hmm. so it was a little scary, but I was pretty, pretty tickled to see that it kind of stood the test of time. Guess oh, it kind cool. of pays to to express yourself ahead of your time, right? <laughs> there you go. Fine, right. okay. <laughs> but then, what brought you back to you know being a painter and well, expressing it, yourself that way? As a it's career? it's an interesting story. I was still doing the band thing and putting out some albums, and we had uh, you know done some pretty cool, interesting things. We were chosen as a cultural exchange to the city of Berlin for the three hundred fiftieth anniversary, and did a lot of really cool stuff. But it was when I had my son, who is now 24, mm-hmm. and things were quieted down, you know, I'm not, I mean, we didn't tour extensively, but a fair bit. And, you know, the life of, uh, of a musician is a lot of late nights. And, sure. and so with a newborn, I had put the band on hold. And I just for years and years, Douglas, I felt like, you know, there's something lacking in my life. There's something lacking and mm. you know it was everybody else's fault you know my parents my mm. then husband my this my that whatever you know i, I look for it. and then once i had my son it was like holy shit mm. it's because i'm not creating i was writing the songs and creating in a, in a, in 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 a venue of right of music which is not mm-hmm. making something tangible like art mm. and, and then the light bulb went on it's like i created a a a human being. And then I realized that what I was missing was creating art and making art. Oh, and so, so the that, act of, of, of birthing a human was like, I need some tangible stuff that I can look at that I make and pass on to the world. Exactly. That was a need you had. It, yeah. was, it was like this trigger that just, it was you know, just like, oh, I get it. Right. The light bulb really went on. And so so it had been many years that I was working with the band, like 15 years or something since art school. And so when he was napping as a newborn, I said, okay, I'm going to get back to doing some, doing some art. And, you know, the tools were pretty rusty, right? Oh, <laughs> the form 15 of years. Is like, oh, <laughs> well, those tools, right. <laughs> the, I was going to say, so getting back into it, did it feel a little bit like Wow. You know, self-discovery again and well, all of that. at first it was like, I think a human and the natural human tendency is, okay, I'll go right back to where I was. Where you, you were, know, these, yeah. These big, vast, you know, because it's what I know. And I started working on this huge canvas about Route 66, but all abstract. And I thought, 
hold on a second, you're dooming yourself to failure. Mm. Uh, somebody's going to be waking up from a nap any minute and you'll never finish it. So I forced myself to pull everything right back down to basics. And so what I started doing was creating little first off little pencil drawings of everyday objects an apple and Mm. utilizing colored paper and pencils and, you know, negative space. That built in, then I, that then that became little tiny paintings, and I realized when I underpainted the canvas with a color, it was like a jump ahead. I was already one wow. step into the creative process. And then the next step was realizing that if I used a palette knife, I could get a lot of paint on there quickly before Adam woke up. And oh. so it's it, it's interesting to to me that what was a need to create in a short period of time because my newborn was napping. Is yeah. basically what is the style I've created that I'm known for, which is basically large, colorful palette knife paintings of everyday objects on an underpainted canvas. So you don't use brushes? I don't use brushes, no. They're, it's all okay, knife, so, it's all knife work. So the the palette knife was like I can rinse this off and go. I don't have to sit and rinse all my brushes. I, I wipe it on on a piece of cloth. I don't have to exactly. That was another. Right. It was all about save, uh, being a time saver. I mean, has that kind of thought process kind of followed you throughout your career and other aspects too? Saving you know time what I mean? on things? No, I'm a big, like, big just, time waster. Just, oh, no. <laughs> no, but I mean like like thinking about how can I boil it down to the kind of the the simplest steps for myself or is that a theme or is it was it just in that aspect of a newborn? I think it was just time? in that in that in that in that in that in that venue and where my you know, where that went and it, I think that was a larger function of that was my incredible thirst to be creating again, that mm-hmm. I would do anything, any way, any, uh, figure anything out to be, to be doing that. Mm-hmm. So it I was, guess, I guess what I come up from talking to you is I, I get that what you're saying, that thirst for the creativity, but there's something that's very fast about you. There's something that like, it's like a very rapid fire kind of like inspiration, like a firecracker. And I can see that you're like that in that sense, you know? That's that's a great observation. And and I take that as a compliment. (laughs) It is a compliment. Oh, no, I mean it because it's extremely, like, enthusiastic and it's uh, charged, it's energetic, it's happy, it's bright, you know? (laughs) And and that is really the person I am. And that's why somehow something uh, connected on that level at that point that... Maybe because I had no time to think about it, my intuition just hit hard mm-hmm. on on how to create this. And to be honest with you, Douglas, I I don't I don't agonize over over my art. It comes really easily. Yeah, and I, and I mean that's really being connected to that. Um, Carolyn Mace talks about it being like living on the vertical, where you are just like on this upward trajectory, where it's like you don't sit and have. Not saying you, but people who would maybe hem and haw about something, they can't make a decision. They're not sure if it's right. It's like your gut tells you you and you are trained to react to it. Just go with it. I think I think, Douglas, I, I firmly believe that as human beings, we're taught, OK, if you want it to be good, if you want to be successful, you've mm-hmm. got to work really, 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 really hard. And it's going to be very, very difficult for you to achieve that. Mm. I personally believe that's very, very, very wrong. Okay. On the contrary, we mm. should be doing whatever it be, be, being a chef, being an accountant, 
you should be doing what comes easily to you because that's the message. That's you're the conduit. It's there yeah, naturally. Yeah. Right. right. So, so fortunately, I had that experience with with giving birth to my son and needing to create. You know, I think it right. just all kind of came together. So and, like the subject of your work, it's like okay, I want to paint the Lone Ranger. You don't like sit and hem and haw about. Uh, are people go- is someone going to like the Lone Ranger? Should I do the Lone Ranger? You know, is it going to hit? You're like I. You feel it in here, and I I feel it. there's sometimes you know I usually put together eighty nine percent of my work now is custom work, but mm. I still hold back enough for myself to put together four or five times a year a new collection, a new body of work that kind of works together. And truthfully, it's often theme oriented, like a Texas theme, or if I'm going oh. to do the Florida shows, you know, it's kind of like doing the Macy's Day Parade or something, <laughs> kind of uh-huh. like a theme, right? Yeah. Put, put a bunch of ideas together. And I think, oh, that's really cool. And sometimes, particularly with the Lone Ranger, I thought, oh, boy, in the times we're in right now, a man standing there holding guns at you might not sell, right? That might right. be kind of, and then I thought, well, the hell with it. I mean, it's a cool, iconic image, and it can be interpreted any way you want. No, you know, sure. You don't know what my statement on it is if you really, other than that it's a cool image from the past that's Mm -hmm. that's only ever my statement and i worried about dragging the lone ranger around with me for because i had just finished him at the at the bio show we were together at and i thought oh boy you know that lone ranger might be with me for a long time and (laughs) silver (laughs) out he went on sunday to a fabulous so it's kind of you know i think it is a lot of i do think all the time about subject matter and cool stuff and my deal is that I think artists often worry about running out of ideas and running out of subject mm. matter. Yeah. And I, I keep it kind of very organic and very basic. I only paint stuff I like. I like a lot of stuff. I'll never mm. run out of ideas that way. And the kind of cool thing is a lot of other people like the same stuff. So they yeah. buy it. It's kind of, it's really pretty basic and organic. Well, to back up to what you said earlier, I, did I hear you right? You said 85% of your work is custom? I said 89 I hate to correct the host. Oh my I, God. But uh, that's I even usually, higher. I, I, I usually don't get math right. But, uh, oh. yeah. Okay, so people walk in and they see your representation of uh, images that you connect to. And they're like, I connect to this energy. Can you make me a painting of this bottle of tequila or something? Is that, that how it works? That's usually what they want. <laughs> okay, yeah. is it? Okay. Exactly. Oh, oh, there's usually subject matter. Of course, it's, you know, it's, got to be within my vision and my For realm sure. and my yeah. my subject matter if you want a, a painting of your grandmother keep moving right? <laughs> okay <laughs> right. yes i'm not doing portraits <laughs> no, i'm not doing portraits <laughs> i'm not doing tigers in the jungle you know and so the connections always come from the shows people yeah. who I've, I've met there and i do a lot of in homes and a lot of consultations i douglas i'm the baby of the family and okay. i and i th- and i think that makes me a pleaser so i uh, you know trying to make everybody happy i have two older sisters that never were so i'm always quite the diplomat that mm-hmm. way so i think that's why i'm a lot of artists will tell potential collectors to go fry an egg if they want a custom piece sure um i love like i work. don't do that they're like i don't do that and i don't yeah. do commissions and and you're like let's talk <laughs> right exactly and maybe maybe i'm just a lousy salesman on the spot and maybe on the long term, but you know, it's all about the connection and it's all 
and those connections lead to other connections. And if a show hasn't, if you, if I've zeroed at a show and people say, well, how was the show? I'll say, I'll tell you in six months because it's a real I'm, long game model I'm a, for you. I totally. And I'm a monster follow up. I'm a mon, you know, mm-hmm. lo- it's all the long game. It's all about relationships. How does that work for you? So if you feel like you've got the spark, do you then, before they get the heck out of your booth, you're like, can I have your name and number? I'll follow oh. up with you. Uh, I'll send you sketches or something. I mean, is that no, how it works? Nobody gets up. Nobody that gets out of my booth that likes my work without me obtaining their email and their cell phone. Oh, okay. so that I've got two ways to communicate with them. Because as we know, not everyone, not everyone's favorite way of communicating is Instagram message or telephone sure. or you know everybody's you know kind of complicates the world because you can email someone till you're blue in the face shoot them a text and they'll say, oh, great to hear from you. <laughs> you know? Right. And you're like, well, I, I thought I was <laughs> bothering you. <laughs> and I, I years ago came to the conclusion, if you have given me your email address or a form of communication with you and expressed a great deal of interest in my artwork, I will keep at you until you either tell me to F off or you buy a painting. Don't lie to me. Tell me, you know, tell me if that's not, you know, if you don't want me to follow up and, 95% of the time, people are, thanks for following up on this. Thank you for reminding me. People's lives get busy. It's not their mm. responsibility to remember me. It's my responsibility to remember them. A lot of us artists will feel like, oh, I'm bothering them. I'm doing the hard sell. They are not responding. And it, it really just comes down to like finding them at the right moment in between whatever busy lives they've got going on. They really do want want what you have. But they can let that stuff just kind of slip out from under them if we're not, you know, persistent enough. That that's exactly right. It's my it's my business to be looking after my business. It's not not the other way around. Okay, so you 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 kind of developed yourself as an artist, and you and you you fall into the shows. You talked about the challenges of of painting while you've got an infant, but then how do you how do you form a career of selling at the shows, raising a child, kind of in tow like that. Well, it was it was quite a quite a challenge as of the as of at the age of six. I raised uh, my son completely on my own, so he's mm. pretty much. And, and at the time, I was living in Canada, so that's an added layer of something to put on the list of extra things you have to do apart from you know mm. packing your tent, booking your hotel. You still got to get across the damn border, right? Which is oh whole, my god, which is a whole nother parameter. Um, you're saying like with like the, like the lists of sheets of inventory and all that kind of stuff you have to have ready to present at the border, right? You go, you go on the truck side, you have to Mm -hmm. go through a broker, even though I, uh, for many years, I, because I'm an American citizen, I was playing that card until that card didn't work anymore. And then I had to do it, you know, the, the opposite way, which is the, 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 the way you're supposed to do, because it is, um, essentially, taking Canadian-made goods across the border for sale in a foreign country, right? Because they're not made in the U.S. But before you were kind of held to that, it was like, I'm a dual citizen and I'm just taking my stuff with me across the border. Yeah, and and some of them I created my U.S. studio and kind of like, it was always a a major run around and a major, you never knew if you were going to get across the border. I could, I could because I'm an American citizen, but they could essentially refuse my goods my paintings mm. right oh, so gosh. getting back to um, being on the road and doing we all know what it's like to be on the road and uh, mm-hmm. all all of you know the the 
challenges and things that we have to face and think about for years for all of my son's life until he, he you know, is on his own. I was uh, supporting him selling paintings at art shows in the U.S. So crossing the border, I would I would put him on. I had a very good friend. He he didn't do the back and forth thing with his with his dad. His dad was a musician and not really there for him. So I had a really good friend from yoga class that would I would put Adam on the bus, say on Thursday morning, mm. drive to Philadelphia, six hundred miles, set up at Rittenhouse Square, mm-hmm. do the three day show, and she would pick him up on the bus Thursday afternoon, do the three day show, and drive halfway back Sunday night so that. The, you know, after teardown, mm-hmm. then then uh, drive the rest of the way from from like Buffalo, no, from Rochester to Canada, so that I could be there to pick them up on the bus after. So it was a, a wow. major juggling. Act. That's exhausting. I mean, it was, yeah. <laughs> oh, geez, and I mean, but the dedication to your work and to being a good mom, but then to keep to keep at that. I mean. Some people might just become a waitress or, you know what I mean, yeah, or do something more, more yeah. at home or something I, like that. I'm very stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also basically unemployable because I can't get anywhere on time. So, you know, it's kind of <laughs> Isn't that why most of us are art fair artists? Because we're just downright unemployable in any other setting. <laughs> Which reminds me, Douglas, would yeah. you mind opening my booth at the Woodlands this weekend? <laughs> if I'm late. <laughs> if you're late. <laughs> if I'm late. <laughs> that's hilarious so yeah but i but i do know that i mean that must have been when he was he was young because he became a staple on the road i mean people knew you and adam people i know he's like you were like he was like your sidekick he was my sidekick and it's it's a pretty darn cool thing uh to to note douglas that yes you can grow up a secure human being as a roadshow kid, right, uh-huh. on the art show circuit, uh-huh. he, you know, when he was little, when he started, he was really, you know, kind of an insecure kid that didn't know anybody, didn't talk to anybody, was very mm-hmm. shy. And to this day, he'll go anywhere and, any, you know, he's very, you know, the, the manners and the, the ability to talk to anyone. And you don't know who your neighbor's going to be at a show and uh-huh. how to get along with human beings uh, that you'll never see again, potentially. And you have to work together. And it was pretty cool. Over the years, what I saw it did for his personality and the and and the really cool person he has become. Oh my God, that's so that's so cool. I mean, you know, we get to be who we are, and our kids can grow up healthy and you know self actualized, and, <laughs> and they can become their own creative forces themselves by your example. It's so true, and he uh, became quite a little entrepreneur watching his mom, you know, selling her selling her paintings and he had a little tractor business and when he was in high school and made all kinds of money doing that it's, it's pretty neat to think it's that not every path has to be the same not not every formula has to be repeated again and again and again mm-hmm. all things can be taken into account and all things can work all, all things you know if you mm-hmm. with enough with enough good example and, and and patience and trust and he knew yeah, dinner often was on the table at nine thirty, ten o'clock at night because oh. I didn't close the studio until then. But he yeah. knew it was out of love of what I do and and love of my family, meaning he and I. So it was, it uh, it's a pretty cool thing. My uh, sister and I also grew up in a not in a traveling situation with my mom, but but we grew up with a single mother who didn't have a, a husband who was helping her out. Uh-huh. And I, I did find, kind of feel like that that kids who grow up with a single mom like that, with that kind of dedication, 
that the the relationship gets kind of elevated. There's a tightness. There's kind of a bond, almost like you're you're two peas in a pod, or you're okay. like the the child almost grows up a little bit faster. Um, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. I mean, did, was that your experience that you guys? Uh, uh, very, very much so. It kind of become it became quite interesting. I, I think Adam was very much born just a very relaxed, comfortable human being. He's an old soul, and as you've quite rightly noted about me, everything is fast with me. I make decisions quickly. I move. You know, I'm like a. I'm not an old soul. I'm like numb, dumb and brand new soul kind of thing. So we we can. <laughs> To quote Marilyn Monroe, whoever said that. (laughs) So we were kind of, you know, he was always, oddly enough, the level-headed one that very, you know, patiently listened to some of my crazy ideas on what, you know, what to do with an art piece. Or he also became a fabulous foil to questions on, okay, what color should the background on this be? You know, so because Mm. someone I. Um, like a really stabilizing quit. force, yeah, right? Totally, 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 totally. Yeah. Well, I sometimes feel like in a situation like that, that there's a lot of things that our children bring in naturally through their own personalities and their own their own DNA, that sort of thing, right? But so then true. I also feel like, in that sense, if he was calm, he knew that everything was going to be okay. He didn't like have to fix the situation, so he could trust that things were all just going to be all right and things work out, even if it looked a little messy on the surface. You know what I mean? <laughs> a, little, a little frantic and a little, a little disorganized. But he always knew that I yeah, could always land on my feet with things that I could, it would always work out. He is cockamamie as nuts as some of the schemes would be and driving until two o'clock in the morning to avoid construction on the highway. You know, he, right. uh, it, uh, it, it, he, he was probably the most secure kid I've ever met. Wow. Well, what's he doing now? You say he's 24? He, well, he, he's 24. He uh, graduated from film school in Toronto, a top-notch school with honors, and has one film. You think, oh, you think you know where this is going. <laughs> and won awards for short documentaries oh, in like really? the New Hampshire Film Festival. Well, he announced that, and, and he said, Mom, I, I knew that we, um, in our family, we get a post-secondary education, and now I've done that, and now I'm going to do what I've wanted to do since I was two and be a train engineer. <laughs> and really? Did that knock you over with a feather or what? <laughs> well, didn't surprise me at all because it's all he's ever talked about. He, oh. you know, And so he's now working for a railroad in New Hampshire, and he's basically running everything. He's engineering, conducting, doing track work, you name it. He, he He's repairing locomotives. He just, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I think we all have someone in our families that has either a family member, usually a family member who's just insane, like mm-hmm. insane beyond insane about trains, right? Oh. And usually it's your, you know, your unmarried 68-year-old uncle living in his mother's basement. <laughs> no, that's my my cool dude's son. Okay. <laughs> Did he have the train set that went all around? <laughs> oh, God, don't even ask. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> like, God. Don't. But he's he's you know living his dream and you know, back to parenting as much as I would love to see him pursue a, a career in in filmmaking because he's very gifted he's doing what he speaks to him and what comes to him easily what comes what he loves well I think for for uh, for Renee and I you know we raised our our two kids and they're in the same age range as, as your son if anything what we we teach them in this in this 
career that we do is that they can shift and they can they they can do something. He can finish film school and then say, I'm done with that. And it's okay. They can follow the they can chase the next thing that brings them joy. Exactly. And the and it's a it's it's a world now where uh it's not like you're gonna be a doctor, lawyer, soldier, sailor for the you know, have one career path for the rest of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Life, if you play your cards right and eat your vegetables can be long and happy and healthy. Right? Yeah, so and have you, chapters and all that and, kind of and, thing. Exactly. You can do more than one thing. I, I consider myself very fortunate to have had that whole career with music and now have all of right brain stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably never going to entertain the left brain. <laughs> Boring, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, Douglas, I'm so right-brained, I tip when I walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least like you're not... What? Taxes? If, if, <laughs> oh, God, right? That's why we uh, hire people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Outsource. <laughs> well, you've said about your work and about your yourself as a person that you are, like, optimistic <laughs> to a fault. But that you really, are just totally, totally. So tell me, what does that mean? I mean, describe that that quality it's, in yourself. I honestly think it's got a lot to do. I think I was just born happy. I'm gonna slam back to that baby of the family th concept again. Sure. I was the baby of two daughters. The we were the Gilmore Girls, three three Gilmore Girls. And wasn't there a nobody, TV show about yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're ahead of our time. So okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, all stuff you can't bank on, though, right? <laughs> uh huh. Yes. <laughs> um, it was. Um, you know, my parents didn't get along. One sister didn't get along with them. Like everybody, the whole the whole family was always against each other in one fashion. Oh, there was a I bit was of chaos. Oh, uh, yeah. Now it was a three ring circus, really. And I was mm. the peacemaker, right? Mm. And oddly enough, I think, I think that's what made me a happy person because I can mm. see everybody's I can see all sides. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and they drove me so insane with 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 their unhappiness that I said, I think at an early age, it taught me I'm not going down that path. That path sucks. Well, happiness unhappy. is a choice, it, right? It, it's so easy to be happy. Yeah. I mean, you not to be Pollyanna about it, but just like somebody can list the things that are going wrong in their lives and be just a total curmudgeon, you can flip it and do the same thing. And it becomes a complete self-fulfilling prophecy if you're you know, if it, if it's like, well, that show didn't work out. Well, I zeroed at it. Well, I won't go back to it. Or I went, you know, that, 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 oh that. Now I'm starting to feel like I suck. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just, just oh, going. Really? Why well, just, and a lot of, a lot of that, when, you know, we all, we all have challenges. We all, mm -hmm. you know, have flat tires and shows that don't work. And it's just like, my theory is just keep moving. Just keep on going. That's not, it's not right. the end of the, it's not the end of the road. Look don't at, take yeah, too yeah, much time to wallow in it. and Don't manifest it so it turns right. into anything bigger. Like, just keep moving. And put a smile on your face. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's, it's, not, mm. it's, not, it's not. There's so much in the world. It's such a big, beautiful place. It's, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it sounds to me, I mean, I can relate. And I don't mean to put words in your mouth. But when you're in a, a young family life as a kid and you feel like things are chaotic or you're walking on eggshells, there are two things that come out of it. You come, you get the 
the hypervigilant pleaser, you know, you get that, which has served you with your collectors and served you in so many ways. But then you can also be the one with the positive attitude that can be like, to survive, you have to be positive or it's going to take you down and down fast. Exactly. It's your, it's, it's, it's your, your worst enemy, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it, I take it a step further. I don't, as crazy as this sounds, you know, people are always talking about all the bad in the world. I, there, there's no such thing as bad. There are varying mm-hmm. degrees of good, Douglas. It's mm-hmm. not all. There's no bad. There's no evil. Don't give me. Yeah, I just, sorry. This is the way I see things. And I also believe that no situation is hopeless. There's mm-hmm. always a, a solution to every, you know, you might have to bend a rule. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rules like, are guidelines, right? Like, parking behind your booth, you know. Yeah, but, okay, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I know, I know all the artists out there that might be listen to this and say, "Oh yeah, that's, that's Julia. Julia again." That's <laughs> Julia. But seriously, you know, I've had enough points in my life uh, with all careers, with everything I've done, where it's like, okay, this is the end. We're we're screwed here. This is it. and there's always if you just you just give it enough belief and time to think about all there's always another route if, i mean it, i think if anything what i learned in art school douglas mm-hmm. was how to think creatively and that's what that is oh uh, so it wasn't necessarily about designs i mean that was important but it was like a, a model for how to be how to how to think how to think completely you know how to honor what you were born with because i i i pretty much believe artists are born that way Mm-hmm. And so it, it 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 was learning to honor that in your in your personality, but then 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 uh, learning to adopt that way of crea- thinking creatively to all aspects of your life, not just doing mm-hmm. art. Yeah, I I've learned this about you at Bayou City last week. You even enjoy the setting up the art fair, the, the sweating, it. the tearing it down. You're like happy. And, and some people are like, I got to get this done as fast as possible and get the hell out of here, right? That, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> but no, I mean, years ago when Renee and I started this, I can be more of the one that can get growly, you know, with the setup. And she said, listen, setting up an art show is as much of our life as making the work, as traveling and going to that restaurant, these experiences. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And you when embody I, that. When I first started, it's I, I, I'm with Renee. When I first started doing shows, you know, I could see everybody was like, oh, set up, tear down. Oh, whoa. Rush to know, get oh, out of here. raining. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And I, and I thought, okay, if I'm going to be doing this and this is going to be my life, I'm going to, if I have to brainwash myself <laughs> into loving it, I will. And I do, you know, I think a lot of what I do is a little bit of self-brainwashing, you know. At the mm-hmm. time, I was like, okay, this is a workout. I'm going to get muscles from setting up. This is great. You yeah, know, this yeah, is yeah. Tear down. Tear down. There's a nice cold beer at the end of it. Wait for that. You know, kind of like that. <laughs> right. It's like parenting so, yourself, right? It's like a parent. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's, uh, like, what? What do they say with kids? Uh, instead of like a punishment, a positive redirection. So you have to positively <laughs> redirect yourself. Exactly. Well, a little bit of Pavlov's dogs, you know. <laughs> There's a drink in my future. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, ice cold beer is my entire motivation for everything in okay. life. I may as well be honest. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. It keeps it keeps it happy, keeps it light and lively, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> modest and modest. <laughs> so we are we're basically on on the same tour. I looked ahead to see what you're up to. So we were down in in Houston, and I think the next three Texas shows we're going to be we're going to be like uh, we're like a big awesome. caravan of carties awesome. driving <laughs> in the same. <laughs> it's like the circus train, right? The circus yeah, train. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's delightful news. I knew we were at the Woodlands together this this weekend, and then uh, Fort Worth and South Lake. Yep, we'll be there too. So, um, yeah. So, do you do the Florida market, or is is Texas where you kind of kick off your year? I I actually came to the show at Bayou uh, after five shows in a row in Florida, pretty much. Wow. Years ago, I didn't do the. I stopped doing. The, you would think my work would kick ass in florida okay you know big bold colorful and i found i it didn't do it it wasn't so i i stopped doing the florida circuit years and years ago and then went back in 2021 because they were basically the only game in town because mm. a lot of you know texas didn't reopen after covid a lot you know right. and so so they got the they got the early bubble basically florida did precisely yeah. right mm-hmm. so it um it was quite encouraging and then last year even more so. And this year was super great. So now I'm in, in the happy but unhappy situation of doing, you know, the Florida circuit and the Texas circuit, which is no break in between with no break in between, Mm. um, just two weeks off now to, you know, between Bayou and, and the woodlands, but it is kind of a grueling schedule because it's five and five. And then I'm back and have, just about a week before I head to <clears throat> do shows on the East Coast. Wow. But I'm getting a little smarter in my old age. Last year, I decided, okay, I'm taking the summer off mm. so that I can enjoy where I live and, and, yeah. and hike, right, basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if I don't take some time off, my collectors will kill me because some of them have been patiently waiting for their 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 paintings. So, so I, you're I able fulfill. to kind of push them out a bit if, if the schedule gets too tight. And... They're, they're, I have the best collectors on the planet Earth and oh. patient, very patient. Well, they're, they're, they like what, what you're making. Our collectors do know us. They do know, you know that we are one of a kind, original, what we do, who we are, what we make. And yeah. You know, they're not looking for cookie cutter, factory made type things. So there is no exactly. timeline in that regard. Exactly. I also, um, I kind of employ a little, <laughs> uh, um, something that I used to do as a bartender. Uh-huh. And it, I would run the bar and the restaurant myself. Sure. So I'd get slammed at the bar or the tables and someone would come in. And a lot of my collectors are, are booking multiple pieces. Right? Okay. So um, most of them. So with with bard make sure everybody got a drink oh yeah so with my collectors if they book three paintings i make sure they get one of them then i move mm. on to the next person i've got kind of like right kind of i'm i'm like you know I'm, I'm making sure that everybody again is 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 happy they're not sitting not, there looking not compl- yeah not, not sitting complete, there looking but... at their watch like i haven't had a drink if you get yeah. them that first drink and then they can just settle in right so you get them that first painting they settle in and they know the rest is coming and they're fine. And they're fine. And then they've got that to enjoy. And then I circle back to them for the second one. And that, you know, it's kind of, it's, it, it, it kind of an interesting little dance that I do, but you know, we all know that how t- 
that that feeling of sitting at a bar and not getting served. And, oh, I've you know, worked in fine dining and bartending yeah, and, and waiting, just, and it is a, it's a total. I you know coming back to that that being able to read people. You know, I feel like I'm oh. like that too. You can feel when they're getting that little like. Uh, it's like rising up in their chest, like they're about to say, excuse me, but you, you, you totally. get to them right before they get totally. to that point. <laughs> totally. And don't we get to be incredible reads of, of, of human beings in the art show circuit? Yeah. Well, I think I mean, a lot was- of it, a lot of it for me was my, was my upbringing and just wanting to make sure there was no chaos and nobody was going to get upset because Same. then I could kind of keep things level, but it has really served me in this in this industry. Uh, so true. So, so, so true. Same, same with me that, and having worked in the, you know, in, in the service industry and not being, you know, afraid to talk to anybody and everybody, everybody is valuable. Everybody it's, it's uh, that human connection Mm. and the connection with the collectors that become long-term friends that Mm. again, that long game thing. It's, I, I, I may never retire from doing the shows because I love all of that aspect of it so much. Would you say that you form friendships with collectors that are long lasting and stuff like you go to stay at their houses and form stay friendships? At their houses, they, you know, dinner parties. I, um, I have a very excellent collector in uh, Disney world that had hired me a couple of years ago. They, they have some of my work in their New Jersey home mm. and they were building this big, really gorgeous contemporary um, a home in Disney World and hired me to do a companion painting for their original Warhol. Mm. And I thought, okay, no pressure here. Yeah, right. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> <Yay>, Andy. And <laughs> so um, consequently did. They're delighted. And now they're booking another piece and had me for dinner when I was at a show nearby in, 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 in Florida this last time. And invited another couple who admire the work and now have booked six large pieces. And then the Andy Warhol people have booked a seven by eight foot painting. It it just kind of, it snowballs. And so much of that is the connection between people and just being you and not having any disconnect. I think Uh that if you could say anything about, about, my artwork and me there's no disconnect my art is me i am my art we you know they it's they, they, they it's it's honest statement it's straightforward that's what i am it's happy it's uh no you know no artifice no no hidden agenda and so uh, when someone likes your art like that then they're going to be bound to like the person yeah and so that just enhances and adds to it and I'm now working on this crazy, wacky idea of I have a couple of custom pieces booked, very large pieces. You know, most of our people have multiple homes. Mm-hmm. And so some of these pieces need to be, I've decided, created in their space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've got a couple of different things going on where I'm going into collectors' homes while they're not there and getting a vacation on the ocean and creating them a five foot by five foot lobster painting like yeah getting the vibe and feeling it and and then getting a vacation and getting a vacation on the side <laughs> of course well to me like you we were saying that and, and i didn't even realize what i was thinking i'm like you sound like a rock star and i'm like well wait a minute she was a rock star <laughs> and this is like being a rock star on like in the art fair industry kind of <laughs> it's, kind of a, it's kind of a very different level of um 
It's a little bit like uh, what was that inventing? What was that recent Netflix oh, show? Yeah, Anna. inventing Anna. Yeah, my sister has mentioned to me you're kind of like that. You're get, going into these people, you know. Uh, but I'm honest. I'm not I'm taking advantage of right. anyone. But here you are. You know, I have I have people building um, building a house in the Jersey Shore in Margate, New Jersey. They're mm. they're putting and they're going to have six bedrooms, and they've made it very clear to me that one of those bedrooms is mine. Okay. <laughs> you may think. Oh, the world owns her, right? What's going on, Julia? Right. Kind of like, so that I can, because they want me to come and do a collection of art once the place is built. And so uh, that will be my my room. It's kind of this interesting morphing of a collector's relationship and mm-hmm. going places and staying in lovely places. It, it, it's it's kind of like this. Look at the beautiful homes our, our art live Yes, right. right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I'm always flabbergasted by that. Yeah. Well, now, hold on a second. Why can't we enjoy those places? (laughs) I mean, we're an extension of that, right? The work is an extension of us. So, so it's it's a couple of cool little new projects, and it's also a a thought pattern of maybe eventually taking a a couple of shows off, and you know, and doing this kind of artist in residency. You've booked a commission with me, I, and you want me to go to your Park City mm-hmm. house and create it on site. Well, but well, like what you're describing to me, here's here's my take on it. When you said like the inventing Anna idea, it's almost like it's not that you're putting on a fake persona because it's a hundred percent genuine who you are, and an ex- your work is an extension of who you, and and all that. But so many people can be like who am I to think I'm on the same level as my collector? And we can like talk ourselves out of like wanting to to push them or guide them into a sale or to suggest something that they might like for their wall. You step into that role and you are like 100% confident in who you are and what you create. It's like, I can do this and I can do that for you. And they fall in love with that. I, absolutely. And really, when you get right down to it, you know your collectors. Um Mm. Who wouldn't want you to create a piece in their space, right? To to to, to go. I mean, like for them, how how crazy is that? And I it's mean, almost like that. Yes, they they fall in love with the piece that they get to live with. But think about the stories they get to tell people at dinner. Like they get to it, tell them about the the cool artist who was a uh, who was a singer and, and part of a band and get to know it, you and your story. It's so 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 true. Yeah. And then during all of that time, you know, they introduce you to other people. It's a whole network. different whole different network. And you know, this this you are like your collectors. You yeah. you you um is a concept that I always apply to showing up at the shows you know i don't you see me setting up and you see me at the show it's a whole different 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 persona in terms of pre- presentation right mm-hmm. what 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 are we doing what's it called it's a show so we should you know be a, approaching the art shows a little bit maybe as if we're on stage a little bit as if i am of the same level uh, of you who is the collector right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you should be able to represent your work in the way you look that's a, I mean, and that's all, an attractive thing for collectors to to not feel a sense of hesitancy in in what we're trying to portray exactly and and it it it, it takes a whole level of social awkwardness out if you if you can if it's just straight direct right right off the bat it, it, and you know, when you get right down to it, what um, what are we doing as artists anyway? Uh, it, it's all 
about communication. Mm-hmm. So if you can facilitate that form of communication and then hence that form of connection, you're way ahead of the game. Totally. It's re- you're, you're not only should you be trying to do that with your actual art, but the same thing is true when you're selling it. True. Absolutely. <laughs> Julia, this has been a great talk. I really enjoyed spending time with you. I really connect with you on this kind of the zest for for life, this kind of like, you know, the choice to 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 be on the upward spiral instead of the downward spiral. So. Absolutely. I don't know what it was it Schlitz beer that said, you know, grab all Augusta or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like they're telling me we got one of these. So let's let's go on it. You know, why, why wouldn't you want to just live happy and as full as you possibly can. It's really easy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Just uh, have to brainwash yourself. Just have to brainwash it. It's gaslighting. You have to gaslight yourself, but <laughs> I'm very happy. I'm very happy. I'm very happy. I'm very happy. Oh man, this has been a joy. And I think we are going to take you up on that offer. We're going to come visit you out there in the mountains, Julia. Oh, I would, oh my God. I would love it. I would love it. I'm here from uh, right after Rittenhouse. Until um, the Rittenhouse, and I'm here all summer. Get your asses out here. (laughs) I would love that. I would love it so much. That's so sweet. The sun moved out about a year ago. I got a a sweet spare bedroom with a view of the presidential range. Come on out. Well, this is probably taking us back into the conversation, but was that a hard transition for you, for him to move up and out? I mean, after you spent so many years so together? It was agony. It it? was the hardest thing, you know? Mm. Uh, It it that that. That is the oddest thing about parenting, Douglas. Mm-hmm. You, know, you you throw everything, all your love, all your energy, everything you have into raising this human being and giving them all of your best just so that they fly out of the nest. Just so they leave <laughs> so you. That, they so abandon you. See you, <laughs> See you later. No Christmas card, nothing. Right? I'll be back for the holidays. <laughs> Bye, Mom. Yeah, maybe. 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 Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why you have to move to a beautiful place on the mountains, because you want to come back and ski and all that good I, stuff, I, right? Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, I got the place. You got the place. <laughs> Julia, this has been awesome, and I will see you in it's a few like days. A- I can't wait. I look so forward to it. Give a, give Renee a big hug and a kiss until I can give her one myself. Will do. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Great talk with Julia Douglas. Uh, thank you, Julia, for sharing your time and your expertise and, and your wisdom with us. And we really, really enjoyed the talk there. Um, man, New Hampshire, she's got the opposite end of the country from me. I feel like New Mexico is hard to get to shows. It's yeah. like, they just ain't nothing up there in the Northeast, is there? Right. And, but you know... It was a lot harder when she was in Canada. So do you know what? I do? She's she's in God's yeah. country right now looking over those mountains. So that was a beautiful background she had as we talked on, on the uh, on the call. So on the uh, the podcast call. So I really enjoyed our talk. Nice. I did, too. We all did. Well, thank you, Julia. Uh, we will. Uh, we've got lots of uh, fun things, exciting things happening. I've got um Camille Marchese coming up next. And I cannot wait to hear that talk. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's been a while since we've talked to a director. It's, it's nice to have somebody who has uh, the experience that she's had as well as a new voice uh, is coming to a new show. It's, it's interesting to see these directors take on different opportunities and challenges. So uh, lots of fun things to talk to her about. And that's going to take us. Thanks so much for dealing with the Echo as I'm in my hipster hotel in Austin, <laughs> Texas here with the, the polished concrete and the John Coltrane posters on the wall. So, uh, man, I, 
I, I'm, I'm hipstering out here, Douglas. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. All right. Looking forward. I'll be. We'll be neighbors again at the next show. I'll see you at South Lake in a couple of days here. So we'll see down there. Don't don't count on my help breaking down this time, sir. It just about killed me taking four booths down. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking four down. <laughs> nope, I'm in better shape. Yeah. I will not even walking with a cane as much. So I'm I'm getting stronger. Nice. Getting strong now. I hear the Rocky theme playing in the background here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried to call you the other day and we were talking and you were holed up in this hotel and you, and you were like huffing and puffing. And I'm like, kind of, I was like, what is going on in the background? And you're like, I'm doing my PT. And I'm like, well, why are you taking your phone calls while you're doing your PT? Because I wanted a break for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was talking about the, the Austin motel and I'm, Nothing more hipster has happened in Austin, and that's that's ground zero for lots of hipster activity. But I'm not sure anything more hipster has happened than me walking across the courtyard of uh, this hotel where I am, okay. carrying my mobile podcast studio under my arm. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. I'll see you next week. All right. Take care, man. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by the National Association of Independent Artists. The website is naiaartists.org. Also sponsored by Zapplication. That's zapplication.org. And while you're at it, find us on social media and engage in these conversations. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to be notified when we release new episodes. Oh, and if you like the show, we'd love it if you would give us your five-star rating and offer up your most creative review on your podcast streaming service. See you next time.